0: It's New England Take on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. You can listen to the New England Take on WKXL Fridays at 6 PM, as well as on WKXL in the morning in the 6 AM hour. And definitely be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the podcast versions of the show and follow New England Take on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm excited to be joined today by first-time guest Rich Lavers, the Deputy Commissioner of New Hampshire Employment Security. Welcome to the show. Hey, A.J., thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience. Uh, we're going to be diving into the employment situation in the state, which is kind of fascinating to me, what's going on with, with the uh, worker shortages that are going on. Uh, but to start off with, what is New Hampshire Employment Security?
1: So New Hampshire Employment Security, it's the statewide organization that manages our unemployment program. So the unemployment program is a federal-state partnership Federal government pr- provides funding. Along with that funding, they provide some rules, and then each state manages uh, the program subject to their own laws and rules. So we manage that program. Uh, that's certainly been an undertaking over the over the course of the last 18 months. Uh, but we also manage the state's reemployment programs in partnership uh, with several other agencies, um, most notably uh, the business, uh, business and economic affairs, and along with our community college system. Um, where uh, we provide opportunities for individuals that find themselves unemployed uh, to connect with training opportunities, and most importantly, uh, to facilitate those connections with hiring
0: employers. So definitely plugged in on both sides of the employer and prospective employee sides of the house.
1: Uh, Absolutely, we are an employer funded uh, state agency. Um, So we take that, uh, that job and that role very seriously. Uh, So we try to provide the best service we can uh, to employers and connecting them with these job seekers uh, to make sure that individuals that find themselves in the need uh, to uh, collect unemployment benefits, that we keep that uh, time collecting unemployment benefits as short as possible, trying to help them get back to work, which is we know that that's where I want to be. And that's where all of the folks that we work with want to be. Uh, So we try to help them get there as quickly as as, uh, as we can.
0: And that really leads us into the what the hell is going on situation right now. As I walk up and down Main Street, I drive up the Loudon Road, I live right downtown, and I see basically every retail, uh, food service, uh, larger institutions are unable to get more than one to three candidates for a job that have even the slightest bit of relevant experience to what they're looking for. I mean, big picture. I mean we're coming out of covid new hampshire is mostly open uh why is why is there such a worker shortage going on in your opinion yeah and and in talking
1: with some folks i I think they think uh, that uh, my agency stole thirty thousand people out of the workforce and we've been hiding them some somewhere here in concord uh these past few months Uh, but it's it's certainly been a wild roller coaster from a workforce perspective um we paid, and just to put the the pandemic into perspective, we paid 166,000 people unemployment benefits in 2020. Uh, the year prior to that, we paid 12,000 people. Wow! So we were paying more in a single day in unemployment than we were for the entire prior year.
0: And that's basically um, 10% of the population of the state.
1: Yeah, um, so, so we uh, touched and helped a lot of individuals during a very difficult period um, last year and what we've seen in the recovery is that we continue to have shortages across all sectors um, we have to remember we had shortages in a lot of sectors prior to the pandemic so it's not new in a lot of cases uh, you know our hospitals and our healthcare providers were really struggling to fill nursing positions prior to the pandemic that is an issue that's more pronounced now because of the um, heightened need for care um, that we find ourselves in um, with uh, with the pandemic. Um, but you know, we had some of these problems before. They are larger now, so it's it's not um, just that uh, people are seeing more signs, more help wanted signs, when they drive down Main Street and every other street in the community that you're driving on. Um, the, the The need is much more pronounced. I think a lot of it has to do with that pent up demand for services and products um, where, um, you know, we were all in in our homes um, for most of 2020. Right. Um, And uh, you know, with the uh, consumerism that comes out of the pandemic and people coming back um, out there and uh, purchasing goods and services, um, there's been a lot that's been difficult with that from a workforce perspective uh, just from, Uh, bottlenecks in supply chains that we continue to hear about Um, but the the good news for new hampshire is that when we compare where we are uh, to where the rest of the country is um, new hampshire has actually had a a workforce recover better than any other state in the northeast and third best in the entire country and for that metric i just look at what our unemployment claim up totals are, where you know we had 120,000 people at any given time filing for unemployment in the spring of 2020. Uh, we're down to under 3,000 people right now. That's back to pre-pandemic for the number of people that are filing for unemployment. And what we then ask ourselves is, okay, then why are we having more shortages across more sectors now than when we did pre-pandemic? And trying to dive into that you know, we spend a lot of time looking at uh, data and trying to find the most up-to-date, real-time data um, that is still accurate um, to help us uh, figure things out. And right now, in looking at um, different um, age cohorts in terms of their labor force participation, helps us understand a little bit about what's going on um, when we look at the age groups that are that are um, had the most um, drop-off in terms of labor force participation, um, 20 to 29 year olds and 60 to 69 year olds, those two groups have seen a double digit uh, declines in their comparing their labor force participation rate right now compared to their rates prior to the pandemic. And there's probably a lot of reasons, I mean, different reasons for those two age groups, but that has a big impact on um, all sectors um, across New Hampshire. What we're trying to do is to um, reach out together with um, partners in private sector and partners in public sector and trying to do a better job of reaching out to those populations to again, facilitate making helping them make that connection to get back into the labor force. Cause they're gonna get back. They're going to come back right now Um, They have maybe a little bit more financial flexibility uh, than they are accustomed to, and it's causing them to really think through um, and um, reflect on what they're going to do when they come back.
0: Now, for the 20 to 29-year-old batch, I mean, are you seeing that a lot of it is uh, people decided to go to college or second post-secondary education more so those numbers may have increased so we're definitely seeing that in at the university of new hampshire it's my full-time job it's no secret (laughs) yeah um so like our enrollments are were shockingly good this year by comparison
1: yeah and I, i think that's where you hear a lot about people taking um taking time in the moment of uh the pandemic to really reflect on what they were doing um and in a lot of cases If that's going to result in some sort of career change you're going to need some training right Um, and so uh, places like the university of new hampshire other places um, are seeing those enrollments go up i think that has a lot to do with that 20 to 29 year old group but let's let's be clear right a lot of those folks were uh, attending school prior to the pandemic as well um, and they were still engaging in the in the workforce maybe part-time um but they, but they were, and, and when we compare um, then and now to see a labor force participation rate drop off as much as 10, 12%, um, that, that's pretty startling and it has a, a big impact. So um, again, I think working with those particular populations and organizations that uh, connect with those populations uh, to, to help folks understand the opportunities that are out there right now you know i i go out of my office right now and i've got a, a a sign on uh the main road here in concord that um you know one of the the local um traffic control companies looking for uh people starting at seventeen twenty five an hour um you know my my usual bike route um, in town um i go past a trucking company Right now, they're offering a sign-on bonus for anyone with their commercial driver's license of $15,000.
0: It's crazy. I mean it's it's basically – when you look at the, the um, political landscape right now, there's been a huge push over the last – decade, basically, to get the minimum wage up to $15 an hour, and it's far surpassing it. So if, if you look at it that way, it's really good that ultimately the, um, the the cost of living increase is finally up to what a lot of people believed it would be, but a lot of businesses can't afford that, and a lot of smaller businesses are really going to have a hard time catching up to it. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Target, for example, was able to really eat into Walmart's uh, uh, economic landscape a bit because they, they offered better benefits and more wages and caused Walmart to re- cause some competition and raise their wages. But the smaller businesses are going to have a real hard time doing that.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a good point because um, in a lot of ways um, with the increased unemployment benefits that were available throughout the pandemic, initially, you know, you were able to get an additional $600 a week added on to your regular benefit and, um, a lot of people, that was more money in unemployment than they were receiving in their in their prior jobs. That's a lot um, of money. And I think part of the um, intention on the part of Congress in doing that was they were really trying to put pressure on private sector to increase um, those, those wage rates, right? Um, and they succeeded at that. And so that was very intentional, um, but one of the unintentional um, effects of that was when you when you made the unemployment program compete with private employment not a very comfortable position for the unemployment program to be in but when you do that and then your result is that it drives up private sector wages which it has done there are always going to be haves and haves nots in that right and employers like you've pointed out most of the time your larger employers are going to be able to pivot very quickly and increase those wages and it puts them at a significant advantage for in terms of attracting workforce your smaller employers are going to have a harder time at doing that and particularly your employers in industries like childcare and healthcare where their revenue streams are more controlled and limited also have a much harder time at competing with those employers that don't have those limitations, that are able to um, quickly increase um, those the the wage and benefit packages that they're able to offer.
0: You, know, you definitely see that with Amazon with their warehouses they pop up. I mean, they, they basically the whole economy in the area ends up being based on that warehouse existence because their rates their wages are really good. Unfortunately, people are only there for two or three years, so it kind of also wreaks havoc on the smaller industries in the area. Yeah
1: it uh you know it in a, in, a, in a lot of ways those um, those smaller businesses that's uh you, you tell them that things will change in 2 or 3 years well it might as well be forever right yeah
0: exactly so you're out of business i mean the turnover uh the amount of businesses that had to close during covid was was quite a bit and you're beginning to see some like it's it's interesting seeing downtown concord some of the businesses that are popping up that didn't exist before, uh, or the few that were kind of new and somehow (laughs) managed to survive through COVID still, still existing, but a lot of them went out.
1: Yeah. Some of those, uh, uh, downtown areas, uh, you know, uh, lunch and dinner spots that you were thought were forever fixtures and to see them, uh, gone, um, uh, because of the pandemic that was, uh, I, I can't say it was surprising. Um, but To then see that type of storefront on on an establishment that you'd seen forever, that you thought was going to be there forever to be gone, um, uh, certainly catches eye.
0: Now I don't know if you have any sort of numbers that could possibly correlate with this, but a theory of mine to, for the unemployment situation going on for for especially the figure of the twenty five to forty five age range is they they were home with their kids through all of it. They did the at home schooling. They they realized oh I love being a stay at home parent. The other parent is going to go is going to continue to work, but they're just going to go to a single income family. I mean, is there any evidence to, that we could show that would? possibly look at it one way or another?
1: Yeah, well, we know, um, and, and some of this, the numbers take a little bit of, of time to catch up, right? Yeah. At least on your reliable numbers that you really want to spend some time analyzing and then making big decisions based upon. But we know throughout the pandemic that from a workforce perspective, there was a much more significant impact on uh, female workers as compared to male workers. Um, part of that was because of the sectors that were the hardest hit. So healthcare, um, uh, retail, hospitality, um, have a higher amount of female employees than they do male employees. Much different than our last uh, recession, the great recession, you know, that really hit manufacturing construction hard to male dominated uh, sectors. Uh, so here we saw uh, female employees that were um, that were hit harder by the pandemic. More of them were collecting unemployment benefits, but it's not only because of the sectors, but um, uh, our female workers also tend to be the primary caregiver for our children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that also influenced some of that impact, um, and with schools being remote, um, a good part of 2020 that had a big impact. Now, some of that, um, at least we don't have the data yet showing some of that, um, uh, correction occurring. Like a lot of what we have right now, you know, we're still looking back at our July and August um, labor force estimates. Uh, Later on in October, um, uh, we get the labor force estimates for September, which will be an important number to look at. You're getting out of the summer, right? And you're seeing, okay, I understand a lot of people probably, uh, like the governor talks about, people wanting to get that summer back that was stolen from them the prior year. They want to take the rest of the summer. I don't want to start a new job while my kids are still out on summer break, right? I don't, I don't want uh, that many levels of chaos all at the same time. Um, and so people waiting until uh, schools are back in session, kids are back in school to then go in and find what that job is going to be um, that they're getting back into. So some good things there, right? Some good things is that you had the flexibility to be able to do that. Yeah, um, that That's certainly a good thing. But from a, um, a, a macroeconomic uh, perspective and looking at the state's labor force, um, that's tough, right? And that's yeah. why we're – and that's part of why we're seeing um, these shortages uh, that we're seeing right now. So those September numbers, and as we get into the fall and looking at September, October, it'll be really interesting to see um, not only how, you know, how much the further the labor force grows, how many more people are, are employed, people um, actively looking for work, but then where they're ending up. Right. And, and then
0: off what you're saying with those types of jobs, I mean, right now, those are the worst jobs to kind of jump into right now, whether it's a teacher where right now it's a very harsh political climate where there's been so many issues across the state. I spoke to uh, the president of the New Hampshire NEA last week about their employment shortage, and it's just not a great place to go right now if you're not prepared for it emotionally and going into nursing or how other aspects of healthcare. It's extremely tense. The rules are changing every five seconds on what you're supposed to be doing. And there's issues with getting the vaccines rolled out. Uh, I mean, you would have to be pretty in a very strong emotional place to want to enter that. Yeah, And, and uh, you know, before the pandemic
1: and, and certainly now with uh, um, some of the um, uh, additional uh, things that we've thrown at them, um, being, a, being an educator has always been tough, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I was raised by two lifelong public school teachers. Mm-hmm. I got to live and breathe it every day. Um, and so I, I, I've witnessed firsthand how difficult of a job that is. And um, the, the, same, the same with healthcare, you, you describe it very well. Um, but with that difficulty of that type of job, also underscores the importance of both of those two 100%. roles. And, and I think you know, we'll continue to have not, you know, people that are, are, are mission-oriented, right? And that's, you know, I'm going into, into healthcare, I'm gonna be a nurse because that's what I do, right? And the same with, same with a lot of our teachers. And I think we'll, we'll continue to be able to um, convince people, remind people about the importance of those roles, um, and we'll continue to be able to attract people uh, back into those professions.
0: Yeah. I, are you going to be able to stick around for another segment?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm here okay. for as long I, as you I love want. this
0: conversation. So I want to continue this conversation for sure. I'm speaking with, with Rich Lavers, Deputy Commissioner for New Hampshire Employment Security. Um, before we head off to a break, where can people get information on unemployment benefits and other services provided by your department?
1: All right. So there's a, there's a couple places they can go. They can go to unemploymentbenefits.nh.gov. Um, they can also go to uh, virtual job fairs. Dot nh.gov to find a listing of all of our virtual job fairs that we're conducting right now um, through for employers throughout the state. So again, that's unemploymentbenefits.nh.gov. That's really the homepage for being able to link to all of the services and programs that we have to offer.
0: You're listening to New England taken to BKXL. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The New England Take, WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. I've got Rich Lavers this week, who's the Deputy Commissioner of New Hampshire Employment Security. Welcome back, and thanks for uh, continuing this conversation.
1: No, it's a great conversation to have. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, AJ.
0: So we've talked a bit about what's going on with the 20 to 29-year-olds, uh, women have not really entering the workforce necessarily at the scale we were initially expecting as things begin to open up. Um, I mean, looking at the employers that are working with your departments, I mean, who are, like, what sectors are really itching to get workers more than others?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as you would expect, the healthcare sector right now is, is really aggressively trying to f- uh, fill those workforce needs. So that's that's our hospitals. Uh, that's our long term care providers. They're really trying to make certain that they can um, maintain the level of service that they need to. And they, and they need uh, people with the right skills in order to be able to do that. So they're continuing to be uh, very active in recruitment. Uh, using a lot of our programs and services. Um, and then you see the, our hospitality employers, um, they were obviously very active and trying to ramp up for the summer um, for a big tourism uh, uh, season, but you're gonna see them continue that as they gear up for the winter as well. Ski season's uh, coming. It is, and uh, you, you you better be ready. You better have that equipment because you're not gonna be able to find it if you don't get on that right away, right? Oh yeah. Um, and, um, you know, some other employers that have um, um, been really um, trying to ramp up their workforce that we've been working with closely, um, employers like Fidelity, um, really trying to ramp up uh, their workforce um, out, of the, out of the Merrimack location. Um, and a lot of it, they're looking at remote work. Um, mm. So you know, we've we've really partnered with Fidelity over the course of the the past month or so. They're participating in our virtual job fairs that we continue to have. Um, their positions are up on our our, our NH jobs board. Um, so uh, you know, it's really across all sectors right now. Um, job postings are up about sixty percent from where wow. they where they were pre pandemic. Um, and so that demand is out there; it's it's widespread. Um, wages are higher, but the employers realize are realizing that wages and wages alone aren't enough to attract enough candidates to fill their positions. So you're seeing a lot of being offered in the non-financial um, compensation area, um, where you know talking about um, remote work, talking about flexibility. Around scheduling, um, and, and so you have a lot of uh, employers being creative, and what they're talking about with candidates, they know they have to act quick because it's a it's a job seekers market right now. Um, so you, you can't um, you know talk with an individual, um, then spend a few days wondering whether or not you want to make that offer. You got to act right away um, in uh, you know that that job seekers market but what I like to reinforce with folks that we work with at all of our virtual job fairs and, and, uh, uh, folks that, uh, had been utilizing the unemployment program and now out there looking for work is you don't want to overplay your hand either. Right. right. You don't want to miss out, um, because you, um, misread, uh, what the market was. So, um, I think it's important to understand, um, where the employers are right now, um, you know what's competitive out there for wages and other benefits, what do you need um, in terms of getting back into the workforce, um, and, and then taking some action on it. Because again, these types of um, starting wages and these types of other benefits and flexibilities, um, they're not gonna be around forever, right? right. And uh, you wanna make sure that when you have something this historic and this what could be once in a lifetime uh, to folks in their working years right now that you take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, the... The uh, work from home certainly has been groundbreaking for a lot of people. I've been very fortunate with with my gig at WKXL, where I mean I'm literally recording in my bedroom right now. <laughs> it's very very college radio. How I, how I like to do my show here. It's uh, very personal, but it, it's it's really changed. I mean how the university works for sure. I mean. There's no reason for many IT workers to to even think about going to the office. All our servers live in the cloud. I mean, all these – Fidelity, Lincoln, all these different financial institutions, they're all living off their laptop. They don't want the cube life anymore. They want to be able to work from home, see their families now and then, and, and still be able to make a good living.
1: Yeah, and you think about also from a uh, just all the uh, the the windshield time too, right? Yeah. So um, you know, friends in um, legal the legal world, friends in Mm. finance that have made the shift to working from home. Um, I don't know how long that's going to go for them, but they you know it's still going. But all of that windshield time too. So if you were commuting, uh, say down to the Boston area uh, from up you know Concord South that's a that's a life changer right for the number of hours um the productivity that you're able to gain more time with your family um really really changes that whole dynamic on um what you're what you're thinking of doing where you're looking at working um and and there's a lot to be said um for that quality of life that that provides too
0: now, are you seeing people that are re-entering the workforce after they're beginning to to get jobs? Uh, is it is there any way to see at this point whether they're able to they're be able to move up to a higher level job, or they have to take jobs with lower experience because they're out of the workforce for two years, and the jobs that they maybe were at before don't exist?
1: Yeah, I, I think with the you know the the lower experience entry level jobs. I, I mean, I, I think what we have found in past um, uh, uh, economic cycles where you've had labor force shortages, it really does force employers to uh, get the most out of each position, right? Each employee. So they want everyone to be as productive as possible. And where they don't need a person to be doing a job, they're not going to have a person doing that anymore, right? So they're going to redesign the process for getting something done. That usually impacts those entry-level jobs, but it also really requires employers to invest more in training so that they can have those people that would have come in at an entry level do something a little bit higher, uh, but it also increases satisfaction for that employee and also should increase the ability to retain that employee as well. So I think employers become more efficient in what they're requiring their employees to do. we need to be able to uh, provide them and facilitate that training. Um, you know, uh, This department plays a role in that where um, we're able to provide uh, payment to employers to help with training for their existing workforce um, with our Work Invest New Hampshire program. So uh, that's a great program for employers. A lot of employers use that to then uh, uh, send their employees to training at the community college system or at the university system. So that's something where we can help facilitate that. Um, And and again, it's, uh, you know, in in terms of those folks with the original question there, AJ, you know, what we are seeing for people coming back in. um, When we looked at our labor force numbers from June to July, we gained over 10,000 people in the labor force and over 8000 of them were newly employed. Wow. Um, That was a that was a a big month over month shift. the numbers uh, dropped off from July to August, and they were inconsistent. When we looked at um, we look at a bunch of different um, uh, data sets for that, we look at surveys of businesses, we look at surveys of individuals as well, um, and they were inconsistent in terms of what they were showing. So the you know the June to July numbers showed a big jump, is what we would have expected. For people getting in uh, back into the labor force, actively looking for work if they already didn't have employment. That that July to August kind of stagnated uh, surprised us. Inconsistent amongst all the data sets that you looked, um, it didn't really make sense when you compared it to the continued substantial drop off in unemployment claim filings. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the that that September number looks like as we continue to hopefully close that gap uh, from uh, you know getting back to where we were pre-pandemic. So you know regaining all of those jobs lost in 2020 and then getting back onto our uh, that same level of growth uh, that we were we were uh, experiencing prior
0: to that. So, I'll definitely be having you on again in six months so we can figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. so, 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 definitely for sure on that. But, I mean, are you, you're going, you're speaking to this a little bit before, but there's, there's a corporate speak term called new collar jobs, which are the tech savvy. Um, they know how to use a computer pretty well. They may not be programmers, but they can get around in social media and do marketing. They can do some IT work. They can do some communications work. Uh, are you seeing a lot more? jobs or employment or um, people taking jobs in that field, that kind of realm than you were before?
1: Well, you know, I mean, the 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 IT jobs, which really, there's no one sector that those fall into. They're everywhere, right? right? Um, those continue to be um, in incredibly high demand um, when we look at job postings. But the way you you describe it with that new caller type, type job, that's really... And, and this is um, it's not uh, necessarily uh, new but people need to make themselves as valuable as possible to their employer right um, And so if you can demonstrate that by uh, being uh, you know uh, being uh, proficient in more computer programs, being able to help with different other types of projects, um, you know you're, you're great at, being able to prepare presentations. Um, you know that, Those types of skill sets are incredibly important, um, kind of diversifying uh, that which you're able to do. Those, ty- those types of people are always gonna find that they're in high demand, right? And they're always gonna have a, an easy time um, regardless of what's happening in, in uh, the overall economy um, because who wants to get rid of a person like that, right?
0: What's it look like for your professional development opportunities for people that are going to be lacking in those, especially if you're if you're probably 50 and up it's it's not something you were trained on growing up if you're 40 and up it's still it, it, that's how quickly it changed i feel like my generation i'm a, i'm 34 like my generation was kind of the first that ended up getting that you went through college expected you're going to know how to use the whole office suite you're going to have to be able to navigate the internet and get things done that way uh, what's sort our of opportunities does employment security offer to make sure people are ready when they get into the workforce
1: yeah and uh, just a, a funny story with you know i'm i'm, I'm about a, a decade um, ahead of you, right? So I'm I'm, I'm 45, and uh, but similar experience where um, right out of undergrad I went into law school, and uh, I come out of law school, I work at a small firm, and I see all the other lawyers. They're 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 using a uh, you know they're recording their their letters that they're going to send out or their pleadings that they're going to file in court, right? And they're taking that tape and putting it out on the credenza for for a secretary to pick up and then type up their letter. And I just started typing up my own letters because everything was in my head, right? So I'm like, this is more efficient. I'm just going to do it. And you, you might have thought I, I like there was some world changing concept that I had just come up with, and it was just like you know I was 20 years younger than the other attorneys, and it's just you know how I was going to do things. Um, but from a you know what we what we really try to do in terms of uh, facilitating. Um, that type of skill acquisition is so we have um, a lot of programs um, where we are able to work directly one-on-one with individuals that are newly unemployed um, or individuals that are uh, one uh, a few groups that we work directly with right now are folks that receive insurance coverage through the state's medicaid plan or through expanded medicaid those folks that you know they make too much for regular medicaid don't make enough to afford a uh, 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 or they don't have an employer based plan. They don't make enough to afford a, a, a plan outside of of uh, outside of expanded Medicaid. Um, so they're in those programs. We work one on one with all of those folks on helping them figure out what it is that they want to do next. Maybe they're maybe they're staying in the same sector. Right. Um, and they just need to need help connecting uh, with employers, working on their resume, better understanding that job climate. Maybe there are others that are, are shifting sectors, um, like like we suspect is a lot of what's going on lot right now. And those people need help with, um, with um, gaining entry into uh, different training programs, right? Not only identifying who provides that type of training, which we help with, right? But it also, can you help pay for that? And so we we do a lot of um, assisting with the financial costs of training for people that are newly newly unemployed and also folks that are in the Medicaid and Medicaid expansion programs. Well, we're paying them uh, for training that can be a short-term credential or it can be a, de- it can be a degree program um, at the university system, right? So a lot of folks that are coming through that program that we're helping um, with either at uh, private Uh, colleges and universities, public colleges and universities, but I think that that training piece and helping more people access training, both with um, helping with the cost of the training, helping with the cost of, um, you know, all of the the different books and supplies that you might need for that training, helping with their transportation related costs. Um, I think all of that is incredibly important right now because of this Um, uh, shifting that is going on with people that are changing the sectors in which they desire to spend their careers in. There's a lot of training that they need for that. We need to deliver it to them quickly so they can get back to work in the profession that they want to be working in. Um, And I think that's going to be a real area of growth going forward.
0: Now, the university system of New Hampshire is going to be merging with the college community system of New Hampshire or whatever they call it. I, I don't know the community college name off the top of my head. Something to that effect. But those two uh, agencies will be merging into one. Does that have any impact on what you guys maybe can expand offering or anything to that extent? Or are we not far enough along that tr- that path yet?
1: Um, you know, we, we work closely right now with both uh, the community college system and the university system. They're great partners because, you know, while we... Um, um, connect with individuals and, and we help them identify their, uh, their, their job of interest, their career of interest. We don't deliver the training, right? We rely upon um, organizations like the community college campuses, the university system to deliver that training. So we work closely with them. You know, prior to the pandemic, we were um, working closely with them where we were doing on-campus um, job fairs at every university system campus, every community college campus. And then we were referring a lot of individuals to them that were coming through our training programs um, and um, helping them understand which programs are being offered by which campus. Um, We continue to do all of that. The job fairs are all virtual right now. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, with virtual job fairs that are targeted to each of our university and community college campuses, because again, that's an age group. We really need to reach out to to make sure not only do they understand of all of the opportunities that are available to them right now, but that are available to them here in New Hampshire. Right. Keeping more of those folks here and not thinking that the only um, the only option going forward is to go down into the, the Boston metro area. Um, so really helping them understand that um, continuing to work with them. But we're really um it's a great partnership between us and those educational institutions because they are the the state's primary training provider for workforce training um whether it be short-term credential or or degree program uh, we work closely with them and the more people that are going to come into our offices Uh, to work with us, see which of these programs they might qualify for so that maybe we can pick up a cost of that training, or maybe you earn too much to be a part of any of those programs where we're paying for your training, but we can help identify which programs are out there and available to you and help with some direction there. So um, really there's a lot to be had for for anyone, regardless of where they find themselves and what uh, kind of financial condition they find
0: themselves to. So we have one minute left, Uh, how do people, who should be t- reaching out to the Employment Security Department, whether it's an employer or people looking for a job, and how do they do it?
1: So, employers, we are here to help them connect with job seekers. We have our NH jobs portal uh, where we will post their positions and make them searchable by community and occupational type for free. Um, we also are, are uh, conducting virtual job fairs for every region of the entire state. We'll continue to do that. Um, throughout the rest of this year. Um, and we'll be doing some sector specific job fairs. So employers, uh, they need to reach out to us, come to uh, check out our schedule at unemploymentbenefits.nh.gov or go directly to virtualjobfairs.nh.gov, um, And those are uh, some great, they'll be able to connect to some great resources. Um, on the job seeker side, uh, same, same story, right? We have a portal that within two clicks you can connect with a hiring employer. Um, so if it's a position at Fidelity that you're interested in, you go to nhjobs.nh.gov, right? You you search by, uh, maybe I'm looking, I'm gonna look at customer service. Fidelity has some positions there. I'm gonna look by location in Merrimack. Boom, within two clicks, I'm able to send an email to their hiring manager. Um, you know, really easy to do. Um, so nhjobs.nh.gov for all of our job seekers. And our job seekers need to be participating in our virtual job fairs free of charge to our employers and to our job seekers. Um, and we'll be doing those for the rest of the year.
0: Rich Lever is Deputy Commissioner for the New Hampshire Employment Security Department. Thank you so much for joining me. You're listening to the New England Take of KXL.